Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Eco D2C podcast, where we discuss growth and strategies for natural brands. I'm your host, Luke Tierney. We have a very special guest with us today, Betsy McGinn. Betsy, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Luke? Doing great. So Betsy is the CEO of McGinn Ecom. She's also the co-author of Amazon Roadmap, How Innovative Brands Are Reinventing the Path to Market, the quintessential start to finish guide for brands who want to launch, recalibrate, or optimize their Amazon business and ensure continued growth on this powerful platform. Betsy was also seventh generation's first e-commerce channel director and a pioneer in the company's e-com strategy and created partnerships with Amazon. And since founding McGinn Ecom in 2014, Betsy has worked with hundreds of natural brands to establish and strengthen their strategic direction on Amazon and their own D2C e-commerce. From product development and profitability analysis to guiding organizations to various challenges, Betsy helps clients through every step of being successful on the channel and making sure that uh, these businesses are leading profitable and online businesses. So Betsy, you've got quite a lot of experience helping sellers achieve success on Amazon, and I'm really happy to dive into the topics with you. But before getting into it, I'd like to ask you, what is something interesting about yourself that most people don't know? Hmm. I would say that it might be that I grew up on a farm. You know, I've lived in California for so many years. I think, you know, that is kind of the persona that I have of being, you know, somewhat of a California girl. Mm-hmm. But I grew up on a farm in Western New York and did uh, the things that pe- kids on a farm do, you know, bale hay, um, drive tractors, and actually live just like a good, clean upbringing outdoors, which was fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you and I might have a couple things in common. My parents didn't own a farm necessarily, but uh, where I grew up definitely was land that used to be a farm. And uh, I had a lot of, just being from a rural area, I had a lot of friends that grew up on like small family, you know, situations like that. So yeah, I have a lot of memories of of bailing hay in high school and look at us now. Yeah. (laughs) in the digital game after uh after having to deal with uh livestock and and other and other such things at an early age and sometimes some sometimes maybe stuck at a desk when we'd rather be someplace else right Mm -hmm. that is one consequence of of you know moving on to a different skill set right it's true it's true different different pros and cons for sure Um, exactly especially especially uh early 2021 i'm definitely missing uh uh, some some work outside, yeah. um, but I'm sure we'll all get the opportunities for that again. But that's that's Absolutely. really interesting. Um, so uh, I have a couple of things for us to go over here, but I wanted to start with: um, Can you walk us through a process you go through in developing Amazon strategy for brands? Yes. So my philosophy about doing business on Amazon or actually any e-commerce business is that there is so much work to be done in advance of ever launching. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we as consumers and business people get lulled into the idea of working with Amazon is so seamless and easy because as a consumer, it is. But as you know, Luke, it's very complex on the back end mm-hmm. and strategy and doing the right thing to be successful. And so often brands will just jump on Amazon, assuming that it's very similar to brick and mortar, but just an online version and soon get discouraged or frustrated with the way the business really works. So 
I take brands through um, a process that's really based on six points. Um, do you have the right product for e-commerce in the right packs? And by that, it's not just, um, is it shippable so it doesn't leak or break, but is it the right pack for the Amazon consumer? Because they shop differently than they might shop in a store. Is it the right assortment of products for Amazon? Um, the second thing is, is it at the right price? And there's a lot that um, goes into pricing and I'd like to talk about that a little bit more in, in detail. Um, and how does that pricing affect the rest of your market? Um, what is your promotion strategy? I call placement, you know, how you look on the shelf and your shelf online is content. Do you have great content? Because if you don't have great content, you probably shouldn't even spend a dime on promotion because it's it's like sending people to look at your brand in a less optimal view, right? So um, those are some of the factors that I like to base strategy on. And most recently, I've also added people. Like, how are you going to manage this business? It's, it's not as seamless as it seems. And there's really good help out there. But what is the right help for you as a brand? And what internal company change needs to take place with your people to really make your, your business successful. Absolutely. And uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And one of, I mean, one of our challenges as a, as a provider um, is, an, uh, is, you know, how do we educate brands early on? So they really know what they're getting into. Right. Because I think there is this really big, you know, brick and mortar is, you know, obviously established, more traditional. It's changing in interesting ways, especially now that digital and brick and mortar are talking to each other more. But uh, there, there are a lot of, of differences. And I think that it is less known among a lot of, a lot of natural brands what, what those differences are going to be and, and what to expect. Because they, there is this idea of like, oh, we'll just, we'll just list it. And then things right. are going to be okay. Right. And then, uh, and then there's there's the technical issues. Um, there's the strategic uh, considerations that need to be taken into place. Um, and I think there's this sort of a uh, there's a I think there's a bit of a lingering expectation uh, from the you know earlier days on Amazon when you could you know with a, a very call it light. Um, you know, marketing strategy and Amazon have, have quite a bit of success. But uh, now that, you know, especially given where we are now and, uh, you know, words out, people, you know, brands everywhere on the platform, competition is tighter. Um, being able to use, being able to uh, properly have a strategy in place and use uh, uh, the data available to make sure that you have a proper launch strategy is, is critical, um, absolutely. Yeah, those unicorn, those days of unicorn brands on Amazon are gone, mm -hmm. right? People used to have success just launching. But um, remember, as you mentioned, I've been in this business for about 14 years. And so mm -hmm. I, I was working with Amazon when you actually saw people and met with people. And again, they have moved to this hands-off-the-wheel strategy where it's so self-driven, so automated, but it also means it's even a different relationship model than people are used to in brick and mortar. And there's nobody that's going to save you at Amazon. So you need to be prepared to work with the tools that they give you. You know, one other 
thing that I encounter a lot with um, brands that are currently working on Amazon and I help them to either optimize or fix their business is the profitability piece. It's so different to calculate your profitability online than it is in a store. And often brands just aren't aware of what all those inputs are that they need to take into consideration to be profitable on Amazon. And, you know, as you and I both know, there's no point in, you know, selling product if you're not profitable. So that's another really important strategic factor of getting your business optimized. Absolutely. Um, could you walk us through just a little bit of how you, how you help brands think through their pricing and profitability strategy? Yes. Yeah. So a lot of brands um, think that they should just, well, first of all, a lot of brands think that they just need to be super low priced to be successful online. And that is the opposite of what I tell my clients. Um, people go to Amazon because they expect a fair price. They don't necessarily go to Amazon because they expect the absolute best price. The motivation for shopping on Amazon is manifold, including you know uh, the vast selection, the quick delivery, um, you know prime membership, all of those sorts of factors play into people's loyalty to Amazon, you know, being able to, you know, build a shopping basket. The conversion rate on Amazon is phenomenal because people go there to buy. They don't go there necessarily to shop and compare and buy it someplace else. So often brands don't consider in their profitability some of the factors that you and I know are so important. Um, and having the lowest price is not the way to be successful on Amazon. It's those other factors that we talked about, the consumer loyalty, the basket building, the um, expectation of quick delivery, selection, a fair price, those sorts of factors. So I really encourage brands not to go with a low price. The other reason for that, even more importantly um, than just your profitability is that it's a window to all other retailers you might want to do business with of your price, right? And if you have a price on Amazon that retailers cannot meet or match, there's a huge likelihood they're not going to want to deal with your brand, right? I've seen it with my clients. Um, you know, they're, they're, and, and I want to talk a little bit more in detail how to, how to work with that. But um, if you, in fact, have a product that you know, should be $4.99 on the shelf at a store and they see it for $3.99 on Amazon and know they can't compete. I've seen brands turn down at some of the top retailers because they don't want to get into that, that unprofitability position with the brand. Mm -hmm. So what I recommend is a combination of a map policy and a really smart promotional strategy for your entire market. And when I talk about a map policy, I don't mean that you're gonna to go to Amazon and they're gonna to adhere to a map policy. Um, and as you and I both know, there's two ways to sell on Amazon. If you're the seller, you set your pricing. And so, you know, Amazon doesn't set your pricing in the first place. If you're selling to Amazon and you ask them to agree to a map policy, you know, they'll basically tell you that they follow your pricing in the market. And so you're in charge of that. So, so there isn't really a mechanism for you to control Amazon in that scenario. It's really up to you as the brand to have that control over your pricing strategy throughout the market. 
So with a map policy, the purpose of the map policy is that when you work with distributors like UNFI, who has developed a, a partnership around map policies, that you have that in place for retailers that may buy your product on promotion at UNFI and resell it as a competitor on Amazon, right? So, so it's a whole marketplace strategy, including when you're talking about promotion with your retail partners. Um, I'll use UNFI again as an example, because they're such a great partner. They you know, may have a, a customer that they sell to that gets a discount for being a great customer with UNFI, plus then they get your you know, 20% OI that you do once a quarter. All of a sudden that puts that retailer or that buyer of that product in a position to compete with you on Amazon. And again, you have a third party seller problem on Amazon, as well as potentially a pricing problem on Amazon that again is evident to the world. So it's a combination of having that map policy in place and understanding the best way to do promotions with your retailers and distributors, which may be a combination of a small off invoice and a manufacturer chargeback or a scan, or you know, predominantly a scan. So by doing that, you're ensuring that the product gets sold across the register to a consumer and not just sold to a third party that's gonna compete with you on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, and so as we, you know, as we think through these strategies and, um, and I, there's a lot of different ways to approach this of, you know, having different kind, different SKUs entirely um, on Amazon or having different pack sizes uh, to get around any, um, any uh, profitability issues uh, if the unit economics aren't working out for single packs, these kinds of things. But um, is there a general, is there a general rule of thumb um, that you have when discussing pricing with brands and in, in retail versus versus online to ensure that they don't end up with this issue of you know any um, any you know Joe Schmo going out there and buying a whole bunch of the product from Walmart you know and then throwing it on uh, throwing it onto Amazon for instance or any any retailer really. I think two the two two of the things that you mentioned are actual actually great strategies. So um, I'll use an example of Nut Pods. Nut Pods is one of my first clients. They are very strategic about the product they sell to distributors and retailers, which is a 12 pack versus what they sell online, which is a four pack. That really helps um, differentiate the two markets because a lot of times in a retail um, environment, they'd be selling a single unit that would be appropriately priced, but a, a third-party seller can't buy four packs from a distributor and compete with them online. Mm -hmm. So having an entirely different pack size is an option. Having a different product selection is an option. You know, some of the brands I've worked with have had incredible success with selling what might be not just their A items, but some of their B and C items on Amazon because they're not so widely distributed in retail but there's still a market for them that they can build in a big way online at Amazon. So mm -hmm. having that differentiation is helpful. Um, variety packs are one of the biggest sellers on Amazon. So having that as an option for consumers is helpful. But even if you were to you know, take your single unit product that you sell on the shelf in retail and bundle it for the consumer you know, in a 
three or four pack, that would be a great differentiator. It's not gonna 100% ensure um, product and price differentiation, but it is gonna go a long way to taking care of all of your markets by looking at it that way. Something we did at Seventh Generation, which has been a huge success to this day is we developed a two pack laundry detergent. And we had a bottle on hand that was a different size than the size that we sold in retail stores. So we used that, that bottle, different size, um, used it for the laundry detergent that we sold in stores, created a two pack. So everything about it was different. The count was different. The, the unit size was different, the ounce size, and bundled that in its own two pack. To this day, that product price integrity stands. And I'm talking about something we created like eight years ago, but it was such a smart strategy because there is really no way to, you know, do a, an exact comparison. So Amazon gets great value out of that product. Consumer gets great value and it keeps retailers strategy, product strategy safe and successful. That's very smart. It's very smart, especially interesting noting the pack size difference and, and the, the implication in that, you know, if there's the 12 pack in retail and brick and mortar and then the, the four pack on online retail, then um, the it's, it's not going to make sense for, you know, uh, it's not going to make sense for a consumer to buy what's inevitably going to be a more expensive pack that, you know, the reseller got at a, a brick and mortar store online. It's just not going to, it's not going to work out for the reseller. Um, exactly. That's the economics a, don't work anymore, right? Yeah, no, that's that's very, uh, that's a very good way to go about it. In regards to helping, because as we mentioned earlier, like there's so many brands that get online or get on the Amazon without really knowing what their costs are going to be. What tools do you suggest that sellers use? There's the, um, I mean, is the FBA calculator something that, um, that you play around with or... Um, uh, what what tools do you suggest brands uh, brands out there take a take a crack at because some of them can be quite clunky. I find the FBA calculator to be quite accurate, but mm -hmm. I only use it for actually getting a, a clear look at what the FBA fulfillment fees and monthly storage fees are. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of um, you look at the calculator and there's a lot of uh, columns and you think you know what do I input to those? But really, the most important thing to take away is to find out those particular fees and then model it in your own um, spreadsheet or whatever you wanna to use to calculate profitability. So I have created a model that I use with my clients that ensures to capture all the costs based it on the retail price and the cost of goods, which is again, different. Like when you're a seller on Seller Central and you're just looking at, at your profitability as a percentage gross margin, it's like comparing apples to oranges mm -hmm. with your other channels, right? Because you're calculating the difference between your cost of goods and a retail price, right? Versus your cost of goods and a wholesale price in brick and mortar. And so that percentage doesn't really tell the story. You really do have to look at the dollars because if you're trying to you know, work with a percentage between those two channels, the calculations just aren't going to make sense in the end because of the different inputs. So I try to help brands see that, understand what all their costs of doing business are, factor those in so that they can have a clear vision of what their profitability is going to look like and make decisions from there. 
it might mean that they work to get their cost of goods down. It might mean that they decide they need to raise the price on their Amazon products by a couple dollars. It might mean that they're just fine the way it is, but they need to have that insight before they before they put these products online and you know end up in a situation where it's not working for them. How do you bring competitor analysis uh, into the mix when deciding price? So I do a lot of what I call anecdotal competitor analysis, and I look at some of the brands that are doing really well on Amazon. And it's important to, I think, to look at, at not just the brands in that category, but more finely tune it to, are they really your competitors? If you're a premium product, you're not going to want to compare to like the lowest common denominator in that category. Then I use some of the tools like Helium 10 and Jungle Scout to see what people are doing um, for pricing as well as get a directional view of what sales might look like for the category and for those products. Um, one of the things that I really encourage brands to do though is to, you know, through content and through advertising to establish their, you know, their, their brand um, with consumers, not based so much on price, but on the, the brand itself, wanting the brand, the brand image, brand love, I call it, because, you know, as, as you know, Luke, like the content and advertising will bring more people to your brand than any low price ever will. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some of the most successful brands on Amazon be premium brands, but they do everything else right between content and marketing. They don't do heavy discounting. They might do, you know, an acquisition coupon or something like that, but the pricing is not their entire, fo- their primary focus in being successful on Amazon. Absolutely. The sellers that we see win on Amazon are brands that actually have a, that actually have a strong brand story and have a strong brand, brand presence. The race to the bottom is not a race that you want to be in. That's right. You never win. There's always going to be somebody who's willing to pinch pennies more. There's always going to be somebody who's willing, who, uh, you know, has a product that that's an imitator of another successful product on Amazon that they just want to put in for a bit cheaper. Uh, If you have something of value to sell, consumers will pay for it. One of the, um, the, the statistics I like to share with my clients is from Salsify, the content provider where they say 69% of consumers will leave a product page for lack of information or accurate details. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, people are not leaving your product page because of the price. They're leaving your product page because you don't have great content. You're not telling your story well. You're not, often brands don't even tell the consumer what they're getting, a 30 pack or a one pack, right? So the content, I say content is king. It really is the foundation of everything you do from that point out, whether it's, um, you know, doing promotions or adding to your original content with A plus detail or a brand store. It all starts with great content. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some of the things that we like to point out to, uh, to brands when they're trying to uh, figure out how to use Amazon strategically, whatever size they might be. It's the number one search engine for product research. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. I often tell brands to think of Amazon as their second online storefront, the first being their website. It's it's Yelp for your products. Exactly. Yes. So 
having the proper content up there and of course, you know, high quality reviews alone, just building that up over time can be a really powerful asset to have. Yes. And another thing to that point that I, I really emphasize um, with brands that I work with is you said it, high quality reviews. So not the push to have 7,000 reviews in the first six months you're on Amazon, but making sure those first 20 or 25 reviews are really great because that it all snowballs from there, whether it's in a positive or a neg negative direction. And you wanna make sure that you're on the right track with consumers on Amazon and your reviews will completely reflect that. What does a good metric for success look like? How, do you, how does a brand know they've made the right decision regarding pricing or pack sizes or um, some of these strategic decisions we've discussed? So I, I think ultimately, um, I like to say that the best measure of success on Amazon is your sales, mm -hmm. right? If you're doing everything right, you're going to be successful. One of the things that I think it's really important to know as a brand is that maybe in that first six months or even year that you're launching, you might be upside down on profitability because you have to make that investment around marketing. And even as we've seen in this last year, Luke, a brand management team, Things have gotten so complicated at Amazon that I find it's really hard for brands to go it alone without some help. Um, you know, things that shouldn't go wrong do go wrong. Listings fall off the site. Your account gets deactivated for no good reason. And so having that kind of help will make help make you a success as well as the marketing we've talked about. You know, gone are the days where you could manually do your pay-per-click ad, ad campaigns. It really, you need professionals to help you that um, are really good at it. And it doesn't mean you need to spend a ton of money. I mean, working with people that suit the size of the brand and the business are, are really important to find because there's they're definitely out there, right? So um, when, you, when you look at what your ultimate metric for success, I have to say sales and profitability. Because if your sales are trending in a direction that they should be, and you're profitable um, after that initial investment period, then those are the metrics you should be looking at. Then I think you start to fine tune it around, you know, what are your um, sales for sales versus your advertising spend? What's your return on that investment? And fine tune it from there so that you have long-term profitable success. What is a major opportunity you see for Amazon sellers moving into 2021? So I think Amazon is a great opportunity, especially for small and medium-sized um, brands. I, I like to tell, you know, people that I talk to and just clients in general that you don't need to be a huge brand to be successful on Amazon. You just need to be a scrappy, innovative, small or medium-sized brand that gets the platform and works it. Because I think you and I both see all the time that a lot of the big consumer products brands struggle. You know, they, they just, as much as they establish teams of excellence, it might not meet the scrappy need as much as small and medium-sized companies can, um, can, can have as a brand. Um, I think product innovation is really important. I think just getting on the platform if you're not there is important. You know, we've seen the st statistics are kind of all over the board, but we've seen an increase of 
um, prime members from 100 million to 126 million prime members in this last year, which means more people are shopping on Amazon. Um, we've seen e-com sales in the fourth quarter grow 47% over last year. So these statistics are, are relevant. They're not, the, the trend is not going away. It has stickiness. It's not just COVID related. So I think the most important thing is to just take action, to do your work up front, but to get online because, you know, at this point, if you're not there, it's not a nice to have anymore. It's really essential to your success. What are challenges you see for brands and Amazon moving into 2021? So I think some of the challenges um, that we've seen in 2020 are going to continue. In other words, um, trying to get things fixed that happen spontaneously. I saw a statistic, um, and I'm sorry, I wish I could quote where it was from, that there was a 40% increase in third-party sellers on the Amazon platform in this last year since the beginning of COVID. I think that accounts for a lot of the glitches we're seeing. You know, Amazon just trying to keep up. Um, they've been in a huge hiring trend, so, so maybe less experienced people trying to help resolve these problems. But the, these problems are going to continue. Um, the, the random things that we see where brands get flagged for um, dangerous chemicals, which they aren't, or, you know, deactivated accounts, which for no rhyme or reason, or getting denied brand registry when it doesn't make sense. And that's where, you know, the help comes in that for, for brands. I think those are going to continue to be some of the biggest challenges. Supplements are going to have a huge challenge this year because of the new rules that Amazon have has implemented around um, certificates of analysis. There, you know, what I'm hearing from supplement brands is not only is it challenging to find the labs to do those analysis that Amazon's requiring, but there aren't even tests for some of the, the ingredients or the tests vary, um, you know, they're, they're not all created equal, they vary from lab to lab. So I think it's, that's going to be a real challenge for supplements this year is um, meeting Amazon's new requirements. Um, in a timely manner. And it makes me wonder if Amazon's going to, you know, um, have a, reconsider a little bit of what their requirements are and maybe phase them in or give brands a little bit more time to be compliant because I'm seeing a lot of um, uh, panic out there in the supplement business trying to, to get these things done in time for Amazon. Yeah, and when they drop these new rules and regulations, uh, they uh, we we find out about them, you know, when we start getting the performance notifications a lot of the time, right? Like Amazon will yes. update, and then surprise, we've seen some of what you're talking about with supplements, and we've also seen, uh, especially when the Amazon released a lot of new uh, rules and regulations surrounding COVID um, to keep bad actors off the platform, we saw entire catalogs taken down. The amount of times we've had to prove um, that something is not a pesticide. <laughs> yeah. I, I have I have hopes that they'll become that they will become smoother about this. But in the in the interim, I think, yeah, I think we can expect things to be uh, pretty um, there to be extra technical challenges in the back ends. And you know, we'll we'll see what happens going forward. But I certainly would be very excited to see Amazon become a more technically smooth platform. I think they have uh, I think at some point there will be incentive for them to do so. I agree, especially for sellers. 
Um, and I, you know, when I said earlier that I think brands really need help, like the help that you can provide, because those situations are so frustrating and can take a long time to resolve. But I'm also asking those that I work with to be patient with you and the help that you can provide, because we're seeing resolution take longer. We're seeing it be bumpier. We're seeing, you know, having to, um, you know, file cases over and over again. So um, it's just going to be, I think, a little bit of a continued bumpy ride in 2020 with some of these challenges that we've seen since COVID. What is your number one piece of advice to brands launching on Amazon? I, I think it would be do your work first, please. Like do your, you know, upfront work to be ready for Amazon, because if you don't, you're going to be wasting time and money that your brand won't be able to recoup. You know, you want to do it right from the beginning. And, and if you find that you're, once you've launched, you're struggling and you think you've done everything right, you know, please reach out for help because there is good, affordable expertise out there that brands can work with to make sure that they have done everything they can to be successful on Amazon. And where can our listeners find you? So you can visit my website, which is mckinecom.com. Um, or feel free to email me at bet betsy at mckinecom.com. Visit my LinkedIn profile. Um, yeah, so those are a couple of ways. And also, I just want to give one little plug for my book, because the reason Phil Siegel and I wrote this book was because we felt that the complexities of Amazon were somewhat daunting and that not everybody is in a position, you know, as a new brand or as a startup to be able to afford a lot of help. So the book we wrote was intended to, to provide a roadmap for brands that want to have good, general, solid advice on how to be successful on Amazon. And it's pretty timeless. Like there hasn't, you know, there are always details changing on Amazon. Like you said, we don't even get notified of what they are and things have changed. But this book was designed to be, you know, a general strategic book that even with the changes we see, there's relevance on a daily basis to your business. So, you know, please feel free to find that on Amazon. All right. Well, Betsy, thank you so much for your time today. Always a pleasure. Until uh, until next time, this is the Eco D2C podcast and see you soon. Thank you, Luke.